Caldwell's True Life Academy helps intelligent, ambitious people achieve and accomplish amazing things for the purpose of living the life they've always dreamed of. We will show you how to tap into the gifts that we all have been given. True Life Academy gives you the best possible chance of living a life full of wealth, health, love, and personal power. As a certified coach, mediator, speaker, and trainer, Clarence has the skills needed to guide you to the most amazing life you can imagine for yourself, focusing on your relationships, finances, health, and career. So join the Academy and be awakened to your true life, the life you dream of, the life that fulfills your purpose, yes, the life you were intended to live. True Life Academy starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to True Life Academy. Thank you for joining us this evening. This is Clarence Caldwell, your host, your coach, your guide for the week. And uh, I just want to, as always, remind you, and hopefully you've lived your past week this way, by living a life of gratitude, with an attitude of gratitude, being thankful in all things. Also, were you able to give, give of your time, give of your service, give of yourself, to someone in need. Give when you can. And then thirdly, love first and then choose. We have this power to choose. But when you love first and then choose, you'll have fewer regrets. I know if you've done those three things this past week, then you've made yourself an amazing week and you've made an amazing week for the people around you. Welcome again. We're here at True Life Academy and I am uh, so honored and very, very happy to have a guest with me tonight that's I, I will tell you, I have the utmost respect for this gentleman who is uh, working in a, I'll call it a, a consultative field, uh, coaching. Uh, he, he's, uh, he, he works with Fortune 500 companies um, all over the world, and I want to make sure that, uh, that you hear everything he's got to say. One of the things that makes it so interesting is that the things that he teaches to these large corporations are transferable to your own lives. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. So uh, with us tonight, we have Rolf Foster Jurgensen, uh, who has uh, spent 30 plus years as an independent consultant, facilitator, coach to these Fortune 500 clients and entre- entrepreneurs, including some of these companies you may have even heard. Uh, he's been a skills facilitator for IBM and, and for Cisco. Uh, he's done so many other things. I'm not going to just read through his bio. Uh, if you go to toginet.com, you will see his bio, his picture there, and you can read all the details. In fact, I'm going to uh, ask uh, Rolf to introduce himself to, to you. Rolf, are you there? Yes. Hi, Clarence. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, I was As I was reading through your bio, I thought, well, these are such such great highlights, the fact that you're a certified high-performance coach and and you've done facilitation for for these large companies, and uh, you're co-chair of of, of the uh, 2015 North American Conference of International Association Facilitators. I mean, you have the credentials that uh, I think are worthy of everyone who's listening to really just stop and pay attention, because I know you've got some great wisdom to give us tonight. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much for the introduction. And at the same time, I think it's important that 
we all acknowledge that simply surviving longer than somebody else is not an adequate credential. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I tell Hopefully you. Hopefully we're doing something during that period as well. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it beats the alternative for sure. That's but, true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think along, the, along your life's journey, um, you know, I often talk about wisdom and I separate wisdom from knowledge because knowledge is basically the, uh, I'll call it the interpretation of information uh, that we, we take in. You know, you have data and then you have the data that's translated to become information and then that information is interpreted to become knowledge. Uh, but the wisdom comes when you live it. And I know over these last several years, you've been living uh, this work and uh, so we'd like to hear some of that wisdom for you, from you. But, but before we do, I'd like for you to just tell us a little bit more about yourself, who you are, where you're from. Uh, why should we be listening to you? Sure. I appreciate that. Um, I'm actually a dual citizen Canadian-American. I've uh, worked all over the world for major corporations. But uh, all that time, it's actually been working for myself because I've owned uh, half a dozen, actually seven different businesses and had certainly about 150 employees at one time and multi-million dollar operations. So I've been able to have that experience of not only trying to help people deal with whatever challenges they're facing, I've also lived them myself. And I think that's an important part of both our credibility as well as the empathy that we have with people. Uh, and part of what I wanted to uh, talk about today really is dovetails very nicely into a lot of the values that you've done such a great job in, in extolling and helping people understand. That attitude of gratitude particularly is one of the important ones. Uh, I'm grateful. I feel blessed for what I've been able to do and also the people with whom I've been able to learn and share for many years. That's what's made my life interesting to me. It's not really the issue about what I do. In fact, the consultative approach that I take and I teach and I help others with is really other-focused. It's how we help other people accomplish their goals so that they in turn, yes, they will take care of us. There's no question about that. There's a, there's a definite direct benefit. Yet if we remain other-focused, we actually have that opportunity to immediately recognize how do we give, how do we love, and then choose, and all the other uh, wonderful values that you uh, mentioned here. And I think it's important to make that distinction right up front because traditionally people don't think of Fortune 500 environment as being a very loving, <laughs> very loving circumstances, shall we say. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it's, a, yeah. it's an interesting point. You, you, uh, you bring that up because um, having worked in the uh, four Fortune 500 companies at, at the executive level for many years, um, I find that you will you will run into people who are completely um, uh, authentic and they know themselves. They're in touch with themselves and they, and they will show that part of themselves and they live by that and they and they lead by that. And then there are others who are putting on a facade, just trying to be whatever they believe an executive is supposed to be. And and it, and it really shows, and, and it shows within their organization, it shows within their performance over time. They get short-term results, but over the long haul, uh, it's not sustainable. So I'm, uh, interesting that you would say that. Well, it ties back, I think, to uh, one of the experiences I had in my youth when I actually uh, did an internship as part of a political science degree for a United States senator in Washington, D.C., and it happened to be during the Watergate era, 
which I don't know how many of your mm. listeners remember that period of time. However, it was a it was certainly an environment in which uh, dirty tricks were prevalent, um, misleading behaviors were prevalent. The whole idea of a cover up, and this is not a political observation, by the way. I have nothing to do with. Uh, I don't do any political consulting, so I have a political science degree, which to me is the dynamics of people interacting. It's not so much about which you know particular philosophy is involved, because that's not important to me with the type of work I do. However, the experience of being involved in that environment in Washington, D.C. back then helped me understand that for me, I really needed to select some type of a livelihood that I felt was much more um, ethical and above reproach. So, of course, I picked business. (laughs) (laughs) Some people question that choice. Um, I find, though, that really there is no such thing as a corporation, really. Because a corporation is simply a collection of individuals. Mm -hmm. And yes, what we talk about in consultative skills, which is what I've been teaching for 30 years, is the idea of how do you influence the influencers. And that's a key aspect to recognize because Mm -hmm. every single one of us has the ability to influence other people. We do it every day. We do it in so many different ways. Sometimes we do that through power and manipulation, and those are obviously are not the most desirable methods. At the same time, though, they are influential tools. You know what? So is love. So is caring. So is empathy. So is the ability to, to in effect, identify what's going on with somebody else that is driving their motivation and their behavior. Because quite honestly, I, there are very few people out there actually do anything in their daily life that has to do with me. No matter, I could deal with them, you know, ten hours a day. Yet their behavior is still based upon what they need for themselves, and that's not a selfish thing. That's simply a survival and a method of influencing. Now, there are many cases in which we find that other people around us certainly are affecting our choices and affecting our uh, our sense of limitation. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that we really are not limited; we only believe we are. And this is one of the areas that I've been working on, particularly the last few years of helping, I believe, corporate citizens, corporate individuals to recognize that there's a spirituality side to their workplace. And it comes in the form of ethics. It comes in the form of choices that we make. And it's not, you know, a lot of touchy-feely stuff and new age things that, that scare a lot of business people off. It has to do with simple things like setting positive intentions, being able to you know, recognize that there is a transferability between our personal lives and our work lives, that they are not so separate uh, that they have to cause the strife and the unrest and the aggravation that so many people attribute to their work life. In reality, if they are loving at home, it's not that hard to carry that into the uh, workplace. It's a choice. And how we do that is really up to us. Yes, yes. Very powerful words. Thank you for that. That's exactly uh, the, the level of, of I'll, I'll just call it wisdom, that, that is required for all of us to be successful in, in all parts of our lives. And when, when you uh, talk about the, the um, we'll just use the word spirituality for a moment, that piece, which is really uh, being connected to who you really are and being authentic and showing that and being that and living in that, then the other areas of your life reflect it in a way that creates success for you. And it's not about being religious or being, you know, any of those other things. It's just about being true to yourself. You know, I, I, I chuckle because I think of 
uh, of the, I think it's a Shakespeare quote, Shakespeare quote, to thine own self be true. Uh-huh. That, that is so, so important for us to, to really move our, our lives forward. And the way you've articulated that is, is uh, very, very meaningful. I appreciate that. We, when we, um, when we think about the areas of our life that where success resides, um, I, I often think about it in terms of our finance, uh, finances, our, our job or our career, our relationships, or, and, and our health. And in those four areas, if we're doing really well in those areas, we kind of consider ourselves uh, successful. So what I'd like to do is we're going to take a small break here. And when we come back, maybe there's one or two of those items, maybe the career area you can help us with. Looking forward to it. Great. We'll be right back. True Life Academy with certified trainer, mediator, and life coach Clarence Caldwell returns after this short break. This is Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Life Academy, your source for developing the skills and motivation to create an amazing life of purpose and fulfillment. With more transformational keys for success, here is your host, Clarence Caldwell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Life Academy. We are here with our special guest, Rolf Foster Jorgensen, and he has been, uh, he's actually the president of uh, Optimire Consulting and Training, and he has been talking to us about what are the things that uh, he teaches and and consults with these large companies and helping them perform at a great at a higher level that have to do with basically the individual because corporations are not this this uh, nebulous thing out there they're just a group of people essentially so he gets down to the root where the people are and uh, helps manage through their finding their authentic self. So, Rolf, we were just talking about um, the four areas that I mentioned, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you, you either agree or disagree that these are important areas, or at least we, we put importance on these areas of our life, finance, career, relationships, and health. Uh, is there one or a couple of these that, that your work touches on in any way? Well, actually, indirectly, they detach they on all of them and indirectly in a few of them. Um, and I agree those are high priorities and, and welcome areas. I'm glad that you do emphasize them because they are so crucial. Um, the traditional areas that, that I work on are certainly would be the finance and career areas. However, they really 
boil down to the whole concept of relationships. Because in effect, if we're not able to develop positive relationships, we never earn the respect, which then leads to the trust, which then leads to the loyalty and all the other aspects that, are, that tend to be related um, behaviors that tie into the attitudes of, uh, uh, that are so crucial to our relationships and how we work with each other. Um, what I tend to focus on is the idea of consultative skills. In other words, while I do work certainly with consultants, there are many out there, though, who have different types of jobs of which every single job could be done in a more consultative manner. And that's really the emphasis I, I, I take. It's that anybody can apply it in their job. Now, part of that certainly comes in the idea of how do we understand people well enough so that we can look out for what their needs are, try to anticipate them, try to work effectively with them. One of the tools that I've developed, really kind of an advanced tool that actually those, I've had thousands of people go through my consultative skills classes and they've been asking what's next and what's more. And one of the advanced areas that I'm doing some work on is what I call situational alertness. Now, everybody's heard of situational awareness in that sense of identifying, okay, what are the factors going around, uh, going on around you? Who are the people with whom you need to deal? What are their concerns? And in many cases, the situational awareness has a history of being sort of an adversarial. It's done in war. It's done in you know military environments. It's done in, in police work, in sports, etc. What I'm taking with situational alertness is another level above that. It's identifying what are the emotional ties that people are having with their beliefs, with their actions, with their behaviors, particularly in the work environment, and trying to use empathy. I have a whole business empathy tool I've developed that I teach people on. I teach team ethics analysis. I have a model there that where I take a whole team through uh, analyzing ethical dilemmas so that we're not faced with the situation of one individual trying to impose it upon the others. A team actually collaborates to, to work through these things, and all of these contribute to our realizing that there's more to us than just our physical surroundings and our mental ability to identify what's going on. When we add an emotional touch, and I actually take it even to a spiritual level beyond that, I have a the top level, which I call situationally transcendental. <laughs> and it sounds like big words, but in reality, it really comes down to the idea of when we're setting positive intentions of the types of environment with which we want to work, we don't tend to attract the type of problems that we used to deal with when we were adversarial and we were so focused on our own selfish needs or we were focused on codependency with others who simply had um, – they weren't really looking out for the betterment of people around them either. And I admit firsthand, in my youth, I certainly gravitated to those environments. I had my, my challenges, and, and uh, there were many of my 150 employees I used to have who would say that I was a pretty hard-riding boss. At the same time, we learn from those experiences. And I think that allows us to recognize that relationships that are productive, fruitful, and give us a sense of satisfaction will in turn tie into our outlook regarding our careers. And corresponding to that, of course, the finances that we earn as a result of it. Right, right. That's excellent. Uh, you know, the, you tie those together so well. And, and, and the thing is, they are integrated. They are so tied together. And we often look at them as separate things. And in fact, the, even my mentioning the, the four areas, I mentioned them separately because it gets people's attention. They, they want to talk about one or the other. But as you have the conversation, as you begin to discuss what it takes to be successful in these areas, you'll see very quickly, as you outlined, that they are very much related to each other and that you really can't have them all without having the others. 
Well, it, it gives me an opportunity actually because I, I have feel, felt very blessed with, with uh, how my career has gone and my life has gone and 38 years of marriage to a wonderful uh, woman who is also an independent consultant. We collaborate and things and work with clients together sometimes and that's a very rewarding relationship as well. Um, at the same time, it, it gives us a chance to kind of dovetail all these types of things together in such a way that we can create by our choices, the type of work environment in which we feel motivated, in which we are therefore more productive, not because of somebody else's needs. We're productive because we love doing what we do. And that's the greatest motivation to have on one's job that anybody can have, is to love your work. It doesn't yeah. even seem like work after a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, it's interesting you, you say that because people have asked me, um, several times about the, the the career transition that I've made in this in this past year, and and uh, many of you out there and have experienced the same thing that that Rolf is talking about. When you're doing something that you really love, it just doesn't. It's not work anymore. And uh, if you're if you're working, then it's probably not something that's a part of your passion. You know, I will spend hours. I'll be up till three o'clock in the morning doing work, and I I look around and I see the time, and I realize. Wow, three already. You know, what happened? Right. Um, but there was a time where I'd work till three o'clock in the morning just dreading every second of it. It yeah. seemed like days worth of work. Well, in my case, three o'clock in the morning might mean that I'm on a phone call with somebody in India or Japan or somewhere else too <laughs> because of clients that I have in China and elsewhere. But that's all right. It's, again, it's my choice. Uh, I don't regret that at all. And that's a key part of our, of our joy that we have in life, I think, is recognizing yes. that when we find and identify the things that we enjoy doing, it doesn't seem like work. That's now, absolutely true. In fact, I was just going to ask you about the work that you do. If you could yeah, I want to differentiate bit. myself, though, a little bit with that comment, if you don't mind, because Please. there's lots of people out there who are advocating dramatic change in people's lives. You know, mm. gee, if you, if you hate your job, quit. You know, go out there and start a business or do this and that. And I must admit, I'm not one of those types of people. I tend to focus more on helping people safely and securely transition to what is enjoyable to them, often within their same job and career. And that sounds contradictory to many people who are out there hating their jobs and having difficulty getting up in the morning, motivated to get to work, etc. In reality, though, it comes down to a combination of your attitude and what you make of your environment. And that's situationally being alert and our ability to influence the situations around us has much more to do with us being victims of other people, whether it's a boss or anybody else, and thinking that, therefore, we have no control in our lives. In reality, we have a lot of more control than we give ourselves credit for. We just have to identify how to apply that. Very good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that clarification. The, uh, so with the work that you do with your clients, these, these large businesses, do you work with, with teams or, or specific executives or how does, that, how does that play out? The whole range really. In fact, one of the areas that I enjoy the most is the high-performance coaching that I do with teams. Um, and interestingly enough, there are times in which some of the team members are very reluctant to speak up amongst their peers. And one of the challenges that I have is facilitating that environment so that people do feel safe and secure enough that they can participate. And I must admit, I have a fallback position. Um, you and I are, are 
you know, a couple people and about 200 or so or a little less than that around the world who are certified high-performance coaches. And one of the benefits of that is that when I have individuals on a, a close-knit team in a major corporation that worked so closely together that they're hesitant to open up and share and participate in a coaching environment, I simply will split them up. I'll actually uh, pepper them into other people's uh, group coaching around the world of other high-performance, certified high-performance coaches with whom I can trust and know that they're going to have a similarly positive experience. And I find that's a great way to diffuse one of the big objections that some people initially have. And over time, once they realize that it's a non-threatening environment, that it's really based upon their own uh, sharing and building and growth and that nobody really is paying that much attention to what somebody else is focusing on, they're really looking out for their own needs in, in our group coaching sessions, that apprehension and that fear tends to dissipate very quickly. Yes, yes. So a, a group coaching environment allows uh, allows a level of comfort, if you will, so they don't feel like they're sitting on a couch with their therapist and then... And, right. And yeah, I don't some- do any therapy at all. <laughs> I'm not yeah. licensed for that and wouldn't be qualified, etc. And at the same time, being able just to talk and let people focus on, you know, what is it that they are looking for in the sense of clarity? What is it that they are courageous about? Everybody has some courage in their life that sometimes they underestimate until a good high-performance coach such as ourselves helps draw that out and helps them realize that, yes, their courage is exactly what's leading to their productivity, their influence, and the overall aspect of their persuasiveness in their environment. And tying back to one of the things you mentioned earlier, these, this high-performance approach also ties into their health. Yes. Crucial aspects that people underestimate. They, sometimes they forget the fact that their own manifestation of their physical health is directly tied in to their mental, emotional environment and how they are applying themselves in this, in whatever the situations may be. There's a strong correlation there. Yes, the, uh, your your physiology as well as your psychology are, are just so so important uh, to to your level of performance, whatever your job is. Well, and that's one of the areas that I think uh, when people go to consultativeskills.com and they, and they focus on the high-performance uh, uh, coaching opportunities, they realize that, okay, there's more to it here than just dealing with a corporate person. And there's more to it than dealing with just my old belief systems and my old limiting attitudes. If we start breaking out of that, it's amazing what we can accomplish together. I love that word, amazing. Hey, so you mentioned your, your website. Let's do it formally here. How can people get a hold of you? Well, actually, I have two websites. There's one I've had for a long time called internalconsultativeskills.com, and there's a new one just coming out now. Uh, it's called consultativeskills.com. It's not consulting. It's consultative because that's the approach we help people uh, gain on whatever their job may be. And there's both foundational, uh, there's advanced, and there's high-performing opportunities in that environment. Excellent. Excellent. And um, so to reach out to you, there's a there's a contact form. They can fill out their name or email address and send that to you. That. Right. And they can also just go to info, I-N-F-O, at optimire.com. That's O-P-T-I-M-I-R-E. And that stands, the Optimire comes from the idea of optimizing relationships, resources, and results. So that's how I came up with that corporate name. Ah, super. I love it. I love it when it has a meaning behind it, you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's great. Um, so when we we're going to take a, a short break, but when we come back, I'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about those pieces that you talked about, those pillars of high performance uh, uh, relative to the physiology. You talked about health. We're going to get some insight from you of, of what we can do in that area. Great. 
All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, just hang in there with us. We'll be right back right after the break. with certified trainer, mediator, and life coach, Clarence Caldwell, returns after this short break. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Life Academy, your source for developing the skills and motivation to create an amazing life of purpose and fulfillment. With more transformational keys for success, here is your host, Clarence Caldwell. Hello, and we're back. Uh, we're sitting here with Rolf Foster Jurgensen, and we've been talking about uh, really consultative uh, training that he does for Fortune 500 companies, and he's been giving us some insight as to what it takes to, to build a sustained high-performance organization, sustained high-performance life. And as a certified high-performance coach, he was giving us some insights there. Uh, Rolf, can you just share with us a little bit deeper? Let's go a little bit below the surface and talk about some, I'll call it real life issues. So if, if someone is working in an organization, either as a leader or, or as a part of an organization, and they're running into some issues and they want to, uh, they're trying to get promoted or they, they've got an issue with a coworker or their boss or, or any of those things that, that really affect us day to day, um, any anything, I mean, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but there's anything you can That's tell right. us and give us that would really help us move through those those kinds of situations. 
Sure. And, and actually, let's, let's paint the picture a little bit here and allow people to kind of understand what's at stake at the same time, if you don't mind. And uh, I was honored a number of years ago to be the uh, lead consultant and lead instructional designer and developer and facilitator for the a, uh, internal consulting curriculum for General Motors and the United, International United Auto Workers Union. And that involved a combination of face-to-face training as well as online support and coaching, et cetera. And please understand, this was an environment in which the tension when we first started was just so thick. The The word hatred was a commonly used term as well as a lot of swearing in the environment. And it was a, a very uh, a challenging uh, situation to be placed in. And particularly since my role, of course, was the neutral one. I was not picking a side, did not need to, and I was using facilitation skills in that environment to try to bring people together with the idea that they had some commonalities. They had some common interests that if they allow themselves to focus on them, that would get that would allow themselves to bridge past some of the animosity that they had accumulated over the years. And I think that's a good starting point for everybody. And by the way, over 18 months, I, I don't want to embarrass any of the people that were there, but the graduation ceremony we had after 18 months of working together had a lot of tears and a lot of hugs and a lot of people really re- realizing that they could work together with people that they didn't think they could even stand initially. And that came through on both sides. But that idea of starting with commonality, what is it that we do agree upon and that we can, in effect, say, let's make sure that we, that we build upon our strengths? And that is a wonderful opportunity to do with one's career because the person who has the attitude that says out there, gee, well, you know, when I've got a better job, I'll work harder. You know what? That attitude never gets you that better job to apply yourself. It really comes down to how can you work the best and actually apply some wonderful talents and skills that you already have, we have inherently, that we just need to tap into and say, okay, I may not like the environment I'm in. However, I'm going to do the best I can so that I will have the credentials, the, the prestige, the credibility, et cetera, to move on to something of greater interest and reward. So those tie hand in hand in that sense. A big part of that, though, is some specific skills. I want to make sure we, we touch on some specific skills. One of the challenges people have in their frustration of the job is when they have a boss or a coworker who makes what I call short-sighted statements, meaning they're very limited. They're, they don't see the big picture. It's visually like to think of it as you're, you're down in California. I'll use a metaphor that it's like the boss who is – has his face up against a sequoia, an old giant redwood tree, and they just can't see around that, and they've been there so long that that bark actually looks pretty good and and, uh, attractive to them. (laughs) And your opportunity as a consultative person, no matter what your role is, no matter what your job is, no matter what your position of authority is in relationship to that person is, you can help them see something differently so that they will have their own reasons for wanting to change. And that's crucial. And one of the techniques I uh, teach, uh, and I also give Mike Kirkwood some credit, who was uh, an associate I worked with for 20 years or so before he's retired recently, we worked on the idea of consequence and payoff questions. And these are simply carefully worded questions that start with a few key words that allow the other person to think differently. And they're simple words. They're things like questions that start with, what if? Suppose that. And allows you to actually be a little hypothetical about something. Uh, one of the other variations I like is sort of the payoff question where it talks about how might it be helpful if. 
and you can actually tie into whatever the goals might be, your understanding of the priorities that the person may have. So if it says, how might it be helpful if you were able to accomplish that goal you said you wanted by January and we did it by September? You know, in other words, the idea of helping them see that there's some reason, some benefit for them to actually change their approach. And it's not done in a judgmental way. It's a very neutral tone. It's a very, it, it, it's, a, it's a way in which sometimes we also teach some empathy and some other techniques because the more you challenge somebody, which is what a consultative person does, the more you can rub raw nerves if you're not careful. So the method of which we communicate comes down to our ability to be effective also. And hopefully, with these types of questioning, these type of techniques, we can actually draw the other person out to the point where they start to see things differently and they start making different choices. And by the way, it's not about who gets credit for it. Because if you want your environment to change and to improve, you don't care about who gets the credit. You simply want the improvement to occur. And if you can be the, ca- the catalyst, if you can be the person who influences that environment in a positive light, enjoy it. Don't worry about necessarily uh, raising your hand saying, I did it and therefore I should get this immediate reward. The reward will come to you because the team or the, or the entity, the department, the business, whatever, begins to succeed more and that's how they remember who helped them get there. You don't have to actually be in their face and say it was me because that actually turns people off at the same time. That's right. That's right. And high tide rises all, raises all boats. Exactly. That's, that's a great, great uh, insight. And, and you, you use the word consultative, and I, I want to explore that with you a little bit because what you're talking about, even though we're talking about being at work and, and in, a, in a business setting, these skills that you're talking about, these payoff questions, these consequence mm-hmm. and payoff questions, they could be used in all parts of your life. Is that correct? Oh, very much so. In fact, a lot – we have some fun sometimes in the classes I teach when we realize that a lot of the tools and specific techniques we teach, somebody say, you know what? I could use this at home. And I say, yes, you could. <laughs> and then people go and experiment there. In fact, there are some times, particularly when, with an empathy uh, tool that I teach people how to use, I say, you know what? Try it at home first because that's a safer environment. Get comfortable. Reach a point where it's sincere, second nature. It's not a case that it sounds like you're, gee, I'm doing the core, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the tool that Rolf taught me on such and such a date. <laughs> if right. it comes across that way, it's not going to be as authentic as you'd like it to be. Yes, and that's, that, that really brings me to my next point in terms of authenticity. Uh, how do you connect a person's true, authentic self to these tools that, so that they're not used as uh, manipulative, uh, you know, tools that they're just trying to to get someone to to do what they want them to do. Sure. And part of that ties into the uh, brief uh, mention I had earlier about the idea that people do things for their own reasons. So it's really very difficult to manipulate somebody because in reality they're going to do something because that's what they want to do. What you can probably have a greater uh, accomplishment in is alignment. How can you identify what types of things you, where's the commonality? What are some of the things that you want also to be accomplished and who else around you might have that same interest? How do you align with them in such a way that therefore you have a greater influence on your environment? And as, as I said, corporations aren't entities that make decisions on their own. They're entities that make decisions based upon with whom are you aligned and what uh, uh, particular influence and power does a particular group have at, a, at any given time? So our ability to, to 
to, in effect, utilize these tools come down to the idea of how do we collaborate with somebody as opposed to manipulate. And the collaboration, by the way, I should make a quick comment. I do a lot of training in Europe, too, and sometimes I have to, particularly with those who are of the age that they were around during World War II, collaboration was not a positive word. So <laughs> we, uh, we recognize there's a lot of cultural adjustments that I make when I work all over the, all over the world, and, and yes. part of that is in our word choice as well. How do we, in effect, present information the way the other person wants to receive it? And that's a key part of our consultative approach, too, is our word choice. We don't have to be confrontational. We don't have to be in somebody's face. In fact, in reality, that's what gets us most of the, the aggravation that we then carry over into our home life. You wonder about bringing your work home? It's not in the briefcase anymore nowadays. Right. It's in the you know, pillow talk, forcing your partner to have to listen to you rehash <laughs> un- unpleasant situations during the day. And that negative energy that you're carrying home from work, it does affect your physiology, it affects your relationships, and certainly affects your attitude getting up the next morning too. Yes, yes. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, now, you, you mentioned a word that triggered for me, and it was around culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you travel uh, around to different companies, you will likely see different we'll call it corporate cultures uh, that exist. And even, maybe even within the same corporation, a different office has a different culture than, than another office within the same company. Uh, one of the things that's happening in, in the world today and has been happening for many, many years is that companies merge and they buy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some, one company's bought by another and cultures begin to merge. Do you, have you experienced any, any challenges in that area where you have varying cultures trying to operate as one? Sure. And I think it's, it's you know, just a quick overview here is to recognize that the, the cultures are still a collection of individuals. So it comes down to what values have been reinforced in the past, which ones are seen to be reinforced, and therefore you tie into what is their punishment system. I'm not a big advocate of using punishment in the workplace. However, it's there. So the more you explore as a consultant like I am, identifying what is the reward and punishment system, that will influence or that will give you the greatest indicator as to what their culture is. Because if there's room for people to grow and learn from their mistakes, it's a very different environment in which people want to work. Wow. Wow. Very powerful. Thank you. That, that really sums it up quite nicely. That reward punishment system does, in fact, set the culture. And um, typically, you can work your way backwards once you understand if a culture is, is very strong and thriving or if it's dysfunctional. You can mm-hmm. always work your way back and find that that's at the root of it. Uh, very insightful. Thank you for that. Uh, we're going to take another break here shortly, uh, but when we come back, um, we want to hear a little bit more about uh, what you have to offer on your website. I, I did look briefly and saw that you had some videos on demand. I'd like to know more about what those are when, when we get back. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. We are here with Rolf Foster Jurgensen, and he is giving us some insight to the, not only the corporate world, to our own world uh, through high-performance techniques and consultative training. So stick with us. We'll be back in a, in a few, two and two, and we'll talk to you then. with certified trainer, mediator, and life coach, Clarence Caldwell, returns after this short break. Welcome to Toginet. 
Cutting Edge Radio. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Tirasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Doginet.com. Welcome back to True Life Academy, your source for developing the skills and motivation to create an amazing life of purpose and fulfillment. With more transformational keys for success, here is your host, Clarence Caldwell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are here with Rolf Foster Jorgensen, who is talking to us about uh, really uh, getting underneath the issues that create um, will, will create issues for us that uh, in the workplace and prevent us from being our full, productive, powerful, high-performing selves. Uh, and that affects the company and how the company operates. And the last thing we talked about was culture and how, how uh, Rolf, how you just put it so succinctly, uh, really cut through a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of the fluff around culture. And, and I've done work with, with many people around culture and I like the way you just boiled it down to uh, the drivers of the reward and punishment system that exists. Yeah, there's a, actually a book I've been working on that's not yet ready to release, but it's called about risk-giving rather than risk-taking. It has to do with the idea that as, as organizations have flattened out with their management structure, there's fewer and fewer bosses, in effect, to be able to direct the uh, micromanage the roles of others. Uh, what's happening is that people are having to rely more, more upon their peers at work in order to have some perspective as to what are the ranges of acceptable behavior. And there's a positive aspect to that. I, I, the incentive I have for the managers with this approach that I've been, t- I've been developing and testing and risk-giving is the idea that you free up the managers to really only have to manage the edges of what is unacceptable behavior and allow, other, allow everybody else to basically operate within the middle, growing, learning, and learning from their mistakes. As long as they understand what the ranges of intolerable, intolerable behavior is, there's a lot of room in the middle for them to both – take chances and to learn from from their challenges and as long as that risk reward system does not immediately punish for every little mistake you'll find that people actually have a greater sense of initiative a greater sense of of self-worth and at the same time they will then apply themselves much more positively to their environment too mm-hmm. another key part of that that I want to tie in is the whole concept of mentors for many environments, the corporate environments, mentorship is a structured, uh, imposed type of uh, idea that somebody had that we should do. (laughs) (laughs) And in reality, the most effective mentors I've found and I've coached others on are that when you go out and identify who are the type of people with whom you want to learn and you feel you can gain the most from and cultivate them to be your mentors. And the key is to do the asking. Don't just sit around and wait. Um, 
I've had many people, in fact, you're talking about the grieving aspect of, of a client right now who actually sought me out uh, to be a, a mentor for her. And she, her focus is a not-for-profit organization that helps grieving parents. And I'm fine helping her out. I don't have to just deal with corporate people. I'm dealing with people who want to be uh, ready to take a consultative approach in whatever they're doing. And even in the not-for-profit world, which quite honestly, I spent a decade actually in not-for-profits also, one time I was the uh, youngest uh, staff president of the Junior Achievement Organization. I <laughs> uh, worked my way up in that and business education program. So I know that there's a lot of room for us to apply these same skills in both corporate and not-for-profit and uh, even religious environments too. I don't happen to consult in religion, but it carries over everywhere. Sure it does. It absolutely does. You know, we, we talk about uh, balance in our lives, and mm-hmm. uh, many people look at balance as how much time are you spending at work versus how much time you're spending at home. And, and you and I both know balance is not about where you spend your time. It's about who you are relative to are you balanced as an individual so that you yeah. can bring all of yourself to work and you bring all of yourself at home and you bring all of yourself to everything that you do. That's a true balanced life. Well, and I admit that I, uh, and I'm just going to be a little bit uh, opportunistic here, if you don't mind, based upon what you said, and that my consultativeskills.com tagline is how to consultatively, excuse me, how to consultatively improve your work life without upsetting your life's work. And I think it's an important aspect to recognize that we don't have to do dramatic um, change that is so tumultuous and causes our family and friends and others to to feel a sense of of disruption in order for us to make improvements. And I don't mind improvements that have to be just small little inc- safe increments. We can make dramatic improvements. However, the key is to do it in an environment where you're not taking everything on at once. You're carving out the pieces that are most critical. What are the most the most important areas that you want to make a pro, uh, some progress in? And that ties back to our high-performance coaching. It ties back to the pillars of recognizing productivity, psychology, physiology, persuasion. All these things tie together in such a way that no matter what work environment you are in, including self-employed, working from home, running a family is a big job, by the way. If you're just a parent and you don't have an outside job, that's great. That certainly is an area where these same skills apply. And we sometimes underestimate how transferable all of these aspects are for a balanced and productive life. And once you have a balanced, productive life, everything falls into place nicely, including our work. Right, right. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about mentors because you, you, you mentioned um, seeking out those people that you might admire or that you would like to have as a mentor. There are times when a mentor kind of seeks you out and they find you and, they, and informally they're, they're guiding you and you don't even know it. Uh, uh, is there is there an opportunity for us to even mentor others? And you know, I always talk about giving in order to receive. Sometimes you have to, to be a mentor to someone else, and you find someone being a mentor to you as well. Right. It works both ways, and it's a constant process. Um, one of the things I mentioned about the, the seeking out and the asking about the mentor is, to, is the concept of cultivation. Mm. If you identify the type of people with whom you wish to associate – and you say, who are they around me? And you, you could very easily say, gee, I don't have anybody like that around me right now. That could be. Hmm. On the other hand, with the way media is today, you can still identify 
somebody in uh, either indirectly or directly in your life that is out there that is whom you emulate. And with the uh, small number of degrees of freedom we have now, and we have an association, there's always ways to uh, connect with somebody. Even if it's not the actual individual you say, I'd like to be like that person, you can find others who are already closer to them with whom you can mentor uh, or be a mentoree, shall we say. And the key is to ask. You'll never get it unless you ask, honestly, and that's okay. Don't be demanding. Don't be insistent. And cultivate. Earn the right to be for somebody to say, you were worth my time to mentor. And that comes about through humbleness, and it comes about through recognizing that our persuasiveness doesn't is more about asking good questions than it is about telling people how great we are. Um, just demonstrate it through your behaviors and earn the trust, earn the respect that you probably wanted to get anyway, yet sometimes we lose sight of how to get it. We're so caught up with you know, And Please understand, I lived in New York. I've lived in lots of places, and we're so caught up in the environments where we think that the only way we can get ahead is to, is to stomp on somebody. In reality, yes, yes, that's a way to survive, but who wants to survive in that environment? Find ways in which you can do the things you love doing, and it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter with whom you work for or with, with. You can still find joy and love and appreciation and gratitude all within those environments. Great, excellent. The, um, the you know, interesting that you, you mentioned the, the relationships. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna again throw a cold question at you. Hopefully, you'll allow allow me to do that. Uh, you had mentioned early on in this show. Uh, that you you've done some work with your with your wife as well, and you mm-hmm. guys have been together for did you say thirty eight years? Thirty eight years of marriage, yes. Oh, oh, that's that is so wonderful. Grown kids and one granddaughter now. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about that. Tell us how how you did that. I mean, certainly you you guys have gone through a lot together, and you've helped each other along the way. You've been I'm sure you've been mentors to each other as well. And, but the relationship issue is such an important piece of our life. Talk to us about that. Well, sure. And I, I'm going to, again, tie it back to work because that allows us to, to have a, a common thread that is one of my specialties. And that is that she's an independent consultant and she specializes in the finance and management of child care centers. She works with child care center directors all over the place. Uh, she's developed online training programs for training child care center directors. And at the same time, we've owned child care centers ourselves. And, and she's uh, also stepped in and, and run them for other people when necessary. And more importantly, she published a um, text, a book that was um, used as a textbook for training finance uh, for child care directors and colleges and things. So she's, she's well established with her credentials in her field. What's interesting is we always chuckle about how much correlation there is between the same types of issues that she deals with at a child care center director level that those directors turn around and deal with young children and I turn around and deal with executives at corporate environment. A lot of the same issues come up. <laughs> you know, you think, well, gee, how could it be from that standpoint? You've got everything from the temper tantrums. You've got everything from the uh, me, 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 I want, I want the attention. And by the way, when I talk about earning respect, try asking a millennial in the, today's workplace to, uh, to tell you what they think of the vice president they just met. <laughs> it's not based upon anybody's title. If that vice president has an earned respect based upon their behaviors, that millennial has no respect and therefore will not treat them the way it used to be with a new hire and a, and a senior executive. So we all every day have to turn around and say, what are we doing that others are feeling that they want to associate with us? 
And if we take that approach at whatever level of, of responsibility we have in our workplace, no matter what type of job title we have, it doesn't matter. The key is, what are we doing that attracts other people to want to work with us? And you know what? The same thing applies in the child care centers, too, in schools and things. And my wife and I talk about that a lot. We've collaborated on different projects. We even did a major project for a Native American tribe getting their child care center certified and um, found that in, in their environment where they had a big casino and they had un, you know un, unexpected wealth and they had also other issues that were changing their lives dramatically, that a lot of these same issues that, that I dealt with with major corporations was even – they were even apply, applicable in that environment of a Native American tribe. Uh, that's that's very interesting to hear because you know it doesn't matter where what the environment is; these same things come up. That's interesting. That's right. That's right. Wow. Well, thank you for that. The, uh, you know, I know uh, many of our many of our folks uh, listening. Uh, you know, they they want to hear more about what it takes to be successful in all of these areas of our life, whether it be finance or our career or relationships and health and uh, it's the full package that makes up who we are and so uh, you're sharing that with us is very very powerful thank you for that you're very welcome so before we end the show i want to just ask you is there anything that uh, if you gave us one piece of advice uh whether we're in the business world or in our personal lives what would that be for us and and again i'm going to put you on the spot with this one but this is your chance to knock it out of the park Yes. <laughs> My uh, summation would be to uh, get away from the concept of perfection. We're so caught up with the idea that everything we have to do has to be perfect and simply focus on the concept of excellence. If you go through every day saying, I'm going to find ways to be excellent today, collectively it will build up to be the, both the type of, of uh, person other people wish to be around and the type of person you wish to be around and with because once you're happy with yourself it just em- it just emanates to everybody around you and that's the type of uh, environment i think we all strive toward great great i hope everybody caught that one wrote that one down that's a great way to live one more time how do we get a hold of you rolf uh, info at optimire.com, O-P-T-I-M-I-R-E, or go to consultativeskills.com. It's still being developed, so it doesn't have all the thing, pieces there that we'd like to, but we're, within the next few weeks, it'll be much more available. Okay. You heard it first. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Rolf Foster Jurgensen, thank you so very much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate what you do, and I appreciate the insight you shared with us today. So thank you for being here. You're welcome, and thank you for all you're doing for helping people. Absolutely. All right, everyone, we will talk to you again next week. But until then, please live a life of gratitude. Give when you can. Love first and then choose. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on today's True Life Academy. Certified coach, trainer, and motivational speaker, Clarence Caldwell, returns next week at this same time to share his keys to success to help you achieve the life you dream of. Yes, the life you were intended to live.